Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. How many know the Holy Spirit knows more than we do? I want to read you a passage from Isaiah in 61. In verse 3, it says, To pour unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, and give them the oil of joy. For the for morning, give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. And they shall build up the old waste, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priest of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. And you shall lead to the riches of the Gentiles in their glory. Shall you boast yourself. Verse 7. For your shame, you shall have double. For your confusion, they shall rejoice. In, your, in their portion. Therefore, in the land they shall possess the double, everlasting joy shall be made unto them. The Amplified said in verse 6 and 7, you said, You should be called the priest of the Lord. People will speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations and their glory, once that of your captors shall be yours. Verse 7, and I'm just doing what I'm hearing. Verse 7, and it's for all of us. Uh, Nathan, instead of your former shame, you shall have a twofold recompense. Instead of dishonor and reproach, he says, your people shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in the land, you shall possess double. Double. Coming. Double. Therefore, in the land they shall possess double for what they have forfeited. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. He goes on to say, I'm I, the Lord, I love justice. Hmm. It's not what I want to teach this morning, but the principle of the word. Pastor Billings, when he was here, he talked about lordship. Lordship and king, the kingdom runs by our principles. He talked about why pray prayers that God can't answer. Are there prayers that we can pray that God can't answer? Well, there's some things he, he doesn't answer because he's already answered. Brother Hagin said you should never ask God for something he already gave you. 
You should just say, I, I believe and I receive that. You know, um, but the scriptures, the principle is that the, the Bible says that the throne of God is established on two principles. And that's righteousness and that's justice. And uh, <clears throat> here he said, I love justice. Well, God can be the only true and just God. Now, we're living in, in a time of dispensation of grace. So when I'm, if I'm guilty, I'm not asking for justice. Hmm? Uh, would you want justice for all your actions of your life? No, we, we, we'd want mercy, wouldn't we? But we're living in the dispensation of, of, the, of the grace of God. Here, in the many places throughout the scriptures, he says, and for my righteous ones, he said, I will bring justice. Courts, there are actually courts in heaven where they conduct courts. We don't know exactly. Uh, some say it's one of the apostles out of each, you know, uh, of, of, the, of the apostles. And others said it was some of those from the uh, 12 tribes of Israel. I'm not really sure. There's speculation on about all that. But we do know that there is court and there's justice. And we know that Job... Uh, was in a court case where Satan came before God and and he, he was brought up and he said, you know, if, if you would if you would drop the hedge around him, he says, and let me get to him, he may not like you much as you think you like him, you know. And God says, yeah, he does. Job, Job of course, opened up a door to, to allow things to happen that should not have been opened up. But isn't it interesting that God said, or Satan said to, uh, to the Lord, he says, if you would let me get to him, he said, but I can't get to him because he says, you got him all heads in. Think about your covenant. He doesn't have you heads in. He has you in. And he's in you. He's not building a wall around you. He is the wall. And the Bible says, it says we're actually hid in him. But something will take place. That'll bring justice back to you. You know, we don't ask God to curse those who curse us. The principle is to bless those who have cursed us. Forgive those who have trespassed against us, right? Now, that doesn't mean you may want to go on a vacation with them next week. But God did make us judge. And much has been said here about the love of God. Well... And Jesus went to the cross for everyone because everyone was wrong and everyone was guilty. Everyone. So he is our example of what we are to do when we are wronged. And um, so this can belong to anyone, but it, it just came up in my heart for you, sir. So the first, maybe personal, maybe business, I don't know what it is. Maybe something that's... If you'll just ask the Lord, and I'm not here to tell you, to tell you is if you'll just ask the Lord for justice um, on your behalf. See, I forgive the person, and I say, Lord, bless them. You know, what they did was wrong. I know it, you know it, and angels know it, Jesus knows it, Holy Ghost knows it, and neither the devil knows it. But, but I'm not their judge, and I'm not their jury. I ask you to give them mercy, but I'm asking you to make this, this thing right. Amen. And uh, and in doing so, when you do that, 
It'll bring up a court case. And you'll get the verdict. Amen. And when the verdict's declared, justice is on your way. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, I want to just read a, a, a few scriptures to you that I believe will help us because we're in the days of, of uh, not the former glory, but the former and the latter coming together. David said in Psalms 19.1, he said, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. The heavens are. The skies are proclaiming the work of his hands. That's awesome, isn't it? So all of creation exists to manifest his glory. Not just people, but all of creation. If you think about the the plant life, the animals, those of you who love flowers. I mean, I don't know how many. Whew, can you imagine what heaven's going to look like? And each one has its own beauty, has its own uniqueness. And each one gives God glory. Each of you display God's glory because God's glory is in you. And it, it, it thrills the Father when you allow the glory that he put in you to be put on display. See, a lot of times we want to be like somebody else. I see people in the ministry who admire someone and say, I want to minister like that, and they go try to be like that person. But see, you can't be someone other than you. But there's no one who can be like you. You're, you're the best you there is. Hmm? And if you go be someone else, then they, and God made them to, do this and made you do this, but you go be them, then one of you is unnecessary. And I'm assuming it's the one that's the, not the original one that's unnecessary. So we just need to be who God made us to be. And that's what gives him the glory. So we're surrounded by glory and creation, every tree, every flower, every plant, the sun, the moon, the stars. He says, all shine, do what they do. Um, for his glory. Isaiah 6, 3 on the B part of that verse is, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. You know these things, but the Hebrew word for glory is the word K-A-B-O-D, kabod, or however you want to pronounce it. It has many definitions, but one, one, one of the definitions is Weight, weighty, weight, or glory. It carries the idea of, of, the, of fullness. Something's weighty, something's heavy. You know, the anointing can be weighty. I mean, ever since the anointing come upon you in such a strong waves, sometimes people say, well, why do, why do people fall down? Weight. It's not just the anointing in that sense, but did, did you, there's anointing in the Word of God, right? There's a scripture um, um, that uh, in the Gospels, and you don't, don't turn there, but uh, it was talking about right, right after Jesus spoke in the synagogue after his 40 days of temptation, where he stood up, you know, and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he declared what he was anointed to do. Remember that? Luke 4 18. It went from there. As soon as he said that, of course, not everybody was that happy in the synagogue. 
Someone tried to throw him off a cliff. Well, he went on ministered to people. And it says uh, he was in their synagogue and they heard these things. And after he, after he declared that he was there to set the people free and no one do that, so they were filled with wrath. They rose up and thrust him out of the city and they led him to the brow of the hill whereupon the city was built that they might cast him headlong. But he, Jesus, passing through the midst of them, went his way. And they came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. Here's where I wanted to go to. And they were astonished at his doctrine. For his word was with power. See, the glory is weighty. Now, the Amplified says this way. They were amazed at his teaching, for his word was with authority, ability. His words came out with weight, and his words came out with power. So the glory of God is, is the heavy, it's the, it's the weight of God. In the New Testament, it's the word doxa, which we get the word doxology from. Doxa refers to the, the very attributes of God, the essence of God. See, and, I, and what God is, if there's one thing that I wish I had known in 25, year, 25 years of public ministry more than I, if I could go back from the very beginning, and you may think this is simple, or you may think this to be ignorant of me, and I'm not saying when I, when I, when I say this, I'm not saying that I didn't know this, but I wish I had understood more of what I understood about it. And that is that God is good. God is good. See, if you had never been taught and you get in the, you just got your Bible out and you read the Old Testament, you wouldn't know what's going to happen that day, how God's going to come out in good mood or bad mood. So you wouldn't say God's altogether good. In other words, it was based on how people were. They did right. They get, it looked like God was good. It looked like if God, you know, God was angry, you just wipe them out. Then you read over the New Testament, and it's quite the opposite, isn't it? And uh, Bill Johnson said this. He said, uh, his goodness is beyond our ability to comprehend, but not our ability to experience. Our hearts will take us where our heads can't fit. Say that again. His goodness is beyond our ability to comprehend, but not our ability to experience. Our hearts will take us where our heads simply can't fit it in. Amen. So this is what all creation does. And uh, so doxa is the manifested perfection. The glory of God is the manifested perfection of God's character. And especially his righteousness. So the glory or the doxa of God is referring to the characteristics of his nature. And we need to understand that God's good all the time. Now that's easy to say, but when you walk through life sometimes and, and you experience life and you have setbacks or something happens to you that's that's a setback or you have a tragedy in your life or your family. Maybe uh, I was thinking of a minister she talked to, she was talking the other day about, um, and y'all probably know who I'm talking about, but I won't say it because we're 
broadcasting, but uh, a woman minister that her husband left her in the ministry. And both of her parents was in the ministry, and they had gone on to be with the Lord. And she said she was uh, preparing for TV. And uh, that morning, and just felt the weight of everything because her husband had left her also after her parents died. And she's supposed to be on TV and do these programs to be interviewed. And she said, what made it even worse? She said, my husband left me for a man. And uh, she got herself in such a bad position that she ended up with cancer throughout her body. And uh, But the Lord had totally, of course, totally healed her of everything, uh, of, of cancer and any, any type of sickness. Uh, but she said, in that shower that day, she said, I came to know. She said, I, I just went in the shower, and I, the water was running, and I just went down. And I sat at the bottom of the shower, and she said, I wept. I don't know if there was more of my tears or the water coming out. And she said, I just had me a good cry until I was cleansed and purified. And she said, the glory of God filled up the, the, uh, the shower and filled up the room. And she said, I came out a changed person. But well, the Bible said, in his presence is fullness of, of joy in his presence. So when we're referring to the weightiness of his person, in the, in the fullness of his person in the earth, we need to understand that Jesus was the full expression of God. The full expression of God. In other words, if you looked at the life and the ministry of Jesus, that's the only way you would, could understand or comprehend God. Jesus said, I brought the Father out. He says, no man has ever seen God. No man really knows him. I think this is in John, the 17th chapter, the last chapter. He said, he said, prophets of old knew certain things in portions of God. They had, they had a, a portion of a revelation, but no one knew him. But he says, I've come to bring him out to let him clearly be seen. Amen. And when we do that, what we know and what we see is that God is good. And sometimes when things happen to people and, and they get angry and they get angry at people and they get angry at one another and they get angry at God for what happened, we have to understand it doesn't change God. You could say, well, God let me down because so-and-so happened. And God's a mean God because, you know, my, my infant died or my spouse or my child. Certainly, you know, God understands all that. Don't you think God understands that? So I've, I've met a few people through the years that said, I no longer believe in God because he let my child die. But did you know what? That doesn't really change. Uh, that doesn't change the fact that God is. You're not believing in God does not make God disappear. Hmm? There's just some things we don't understand. Deuteronomy 29, 29 said the secret thing belongs to the Lord. But one day it will be revealed. And uh, so if we understand that God is good all the time, all the time. See, he's not blessing us because we're good. He blesses us because he loves you. He doesn't want you to, he doesn't want you to get what you deserve. We're to get what he deserves. We were sin and he became sin. 
so that we might become what he was, which was total, complete righteousness. So in the eyes of God, you're, you're not just forgiven and you're not a forgiven sinner. You're as righteous as Jesus. Why? Because you've been made righteous with his righteousness. I hadn't taught along these lines in a while, but, and I know you know these things, but I just want to remind you that when Jesus fulfilled the law, after the jot and tittle for it, he did it on your behalf. It's as if you kept all the law. It's as if you did it. So you, in Christ, if you're in Christ, you're in a good position with him. Hmm? Because, see, and you're, you're, you're in a good condition. You have, in Christ, you have fulfilled all of the law. So it's no longer, it's no longer uh, unmerited favor. It has now become merited favor. People get quiet on you when you do that. You say, well, what's grace? Unmerited favor. It is. But when you belittle it, say, no, it's still unmerited. I mean, God just does it because he's good. That's, that's half of it. But he did it on your behalf. Hmm? Could you have done enough good to be the righteousness of God? No. So could you be bad enough to lose it? Because you didn't do anything to get it. What did you do to, what did you do to become the righteousness of God? You heard the gospel preached and you believed it, and that caused you to become the righteousness of God. So if you couldn't do anything to become righteous with his righteousness, how could you lose it? When you didn't do nothing to get it. How can you, how can someone take something away from you that you didn't earn? That was just given to you. Hmm? Then that's where people want to get crazy about this message. Well, you preach that, people just go off and go like crazy. No, no, they won't. No, that's, that's where they're empowered now to walk in the spirit. In a place where they've never been able to walk before. Hmm? Why? Because grace is not a doctrine. Grace is a person. And he's, it's the person of Jesus Christ. And so when we're experiencing God, we're experiencing his glory. And he said the whole heaven is filled with the glory of God. And um, uh, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. And the, God's glory is best seen in Jesus. So he, he is our example. He is our example. I've met a few people through the years, and we met one a couple of years ago, and and um, said to her, "If you, uh, we said, just a simple thing, because you could tell she probably was living a hard life, didn't really know what was going on with her life." But she said, "She's." Uh, we said, "Did you know that God loves you?" And she said, "She said, if you knew me, you wouldn't say that. If you really knew me, you would not tell me God loves me because there's no way God could love me for what I've done." I said, God didn't love you because of what you've done or you haven't done. God loves you because he loves Jesus. Hmm. Jesus said, he who receives him receives the Father. Him who does not receive Jesus also does not receive the Father. Hmm. So we need, to, we need to get to a place so we need, of understanding God through sonship. Hmm. 
but most of the time the church has developed a, a, a consciousness of a sin consciousness instead of a sonship consciousness, who we are in him. Hallelujah. Well, the glory of God, the glory of God goes with us everywhere we go. You know, Ephesians 1 said, Ephesians 1 said there's uh, God's the father of glory. Psalms 24 said Jesus was the king of glory. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of glory. Numerous scriptures talks about the Trinity and each one of them are filled to capacity with the, God's glory and that glory is in you. But God wants to release it. He wants to release it. It's just like having a gift to be able to do something to a, uh, with your hands or your maybe with your what you do for a living with your hands, your words, whatever that you do. The other way that you put that into practice is you release it. You know, whether you're a mechanic or whether you're a painter or whether you're a builder or whether you're a nurse or a doctor or a dentist or what you know whatever you do, you do it with an expression and you're using your your words and your your arms and your legs to do that. So the glory of God has to be released, and God wants us to release His glory. And when you release His glory, you are, you are releasing His love greater than you've ever known. I, I remember about two years ago, and after we've been teaching on grace there for quite a spell, I was here one day in the kitchen by myself. I've told the story before. And I was finally starting to thinking, I got a little hold this message a little bit. He says, you haven't got hold of much of it at all. And I thought, wow, I thought I was at least in first grade. And he, he didn't talk to me. And what he said to me, he said, I'm not talking to you about doctrine. And I was in the kitchen. It was during the week. I was here by myself. And I said, I, I don't understand then. He says, here's what you don't understand. He said, you have no idea how much I love people. He says, you have no idea the width, the height, and the depth of how much I love people. He says, you have no idea how much I love my son. If you knew how much I love my son and my willingness to give him up, then you would know how much I love people and then you would value people more than your value in people. He didn't say people that we call kind and good. He said people. For God so loved the world, the cosmos, the world. He loves his own creation. He does. You know, Psalms 8 says, you know, God, why, why, why are you so mindful of, of your creation that you have created them with such glory and such honor? God loves his people, and he loves his creation. And he loves it when you're reaching out to those. And there's a lot of them look like tough cases. They're, they're really not that tough. They think they're tough. They're not that tough. Always, you ever think they're tough, just go over and read about, go read about Saul, the road to Damascus. He got tenderized, if, as it were. Like, if you put tenderizer on meat, you know, Saul... A Pharisee of Pharisees. He met Jesus. And it took, how long did it take Jesus to tender him up? It took one encounter. This one encounter. 
And then uh, Saul asked the Lord a question and answered his own question. You know, J- Jesus shines so bright, it knocked him and his horse over. And Saul said, who are you, Lord? <laughs> he answered his own question. Amen. And Paul's life was transformed with one encounter. People are walking to you or by you every day. And you have what they need. You have Jesus. One of the things that God's going to ask you, and I'll close here this morning. One of the things that God's going to ask you in heaven, two things, because you're here with a purpose, right? No, no one's not here just to, to work and cut grass and water flowers and raise kids, send them off, change diapers. You know, that's, that's life, and that's wonderful, and we, we enjoy life. We thank God for our life. But he put you here for purpose. So he's going to ask you about that purpose. And that's, that's what we will, we will give an account not for sin. He already judged our sin. But we will give an account of what we were called to do, what he gifted us to do, and what we did with it. So he's going to ask you, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with the Holy Spirit? Pastor Matt mentioned this morning about the Holy Spirit, that we have him in every capacity. When he was encouraged us in the offering this morning. We have his word. We have his might. We have his wisdom. We have his strength. We have his ability. We have the ability to hear. It could be an invention. It could just be a better idea, a new idea. It could just simply be something very simple that you need an answer to. How to buy something. How to sell something. I've had that happen to me many times. I'm in this building. Not because I wanted I didn't. I didn't want this building. For different reasons, I won't get into all that. But he says this is the sit. I tell you otherwise. But he never taught me. He never taught me to buy it. So when I would try to buy it, I couldn't buy it. And they changed everything after two thousand eight. And loans got harder to get, and you had to have massive amounts of money to put down. Uh, when all that happened, and there was no, you know, the laws all got changed. And then he reminded me, he said, uh, he said, when you bought the, the first building, he said, uh, how, um, how much money did you have to put down? I said, no, well, I didn't have nothing. And he said, what did the bank ask for? And I said, well, they asked for two years of, you know, they always want two years of your financial records. And, I, and uh, he says, did you produce it? I says, no, sir, I couldn't produce it because I was only nine months old in the ministry. I couldn't even produce the first year. So I'm going to a bank and saying, I started the church nine months ago in the kitchen, and then I went to the, to, you know, then, then I went, you know, where I got this uh, business, and then we just put a few chairs out in the business, and we, I'd like to come here and get a quarter million dollars. And I said, yeah, you, you and half the world too. So they said, well, bring us, you know, your, your two year ends. I said, well, I got, I'm, I'm in my ninth month. They said, goodbye. <clears throat> but I bought that building with no money down. So uh, I got an answer. I kept asking him. I said, you know, what's the deal? I mean, I mean, is there a way to work this? I'm not seeing it with uh, all that. And uh, he answered me. He said, uh, he said, you know the reason why you ain't bought the building? And I think, finally, finally, finally. Dear Lord, finally he's going to tell me. 
actually I was in the mountains when we did this. This is like a month after, you know, about a month after I said, you know, what's, how do I work the thing? I mean, how do I approach it? Because the you know, last time you gave me like an approach and you tell me what to tell, and, that, and that's what I said, so what's the deal? <clears throat> well, it don't always work the same way. Usually it never works that way again. He said, do you know the reason why you haven't bought the building you're in? And I thought, finally. No, sir, why? And I get ready to write. He says, because I hadn't told you to. I said, and he said, that's it. He said, you know how you was able to buy the other building? I said, because you told me to. He says, you're catching on. <laughs> so it, it didn't take money. It didn't take this. It didn't, it didn't meet their requirements. It simply was when God gives you a directive, he also gives you an empowerment. Anything he directs you to do, he empowers you to do. I said, what do I do? He said, I want you to minister to people. I want you to love people. I want you to teach them my word. And I want you to forget about that building. Enjoy it. Use it. And if there's a, if there's a plan for it, I'll tell you about it a lot. He said, don't ever bring that building up to me ever again. So I just left it alone. People say, well, don't it kind of bother you that you don't, you don't even have a lease on it? I could tell you to be gone tomorrow. I said, no. No, I just hold, I just hold a you know, church at y'all's house. I mean, I don't care. I just <laughs> you looked at me kind of strange when I said that. <laughs> or we'll go to Bill's house the next week and tell us. I'm moving. They got plenty of hallelujah. We could all move in there. We wouldn't see each other for two days. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'll take the downstairs. Praise the Lord. Do, do a little yard work. Very little, but anyway. <laughs> And we could baptize people in the pool every week, couldn't we? Hallelujah. That's part. There it is. There it is. I think that, that the Lord said, we're all going to do the work around the house and in the house and all that kind of stuff. And hallelujah. <clears throat> but we only want nice people. But that's all we got, nice people. So God's got it all figured out. It's all worked out. Amen. Just notice people around you. Begin to notice people. We can be so busy with life that we forget to see people. Just begin to see people. You go into the grocery store and you got this woman there and she got the little calculator and three kids in the buggy and she's like this and you're seeing her put this back and then getting a non-brand or putting back or she's at the register and put four things back and and look like the diapers past capacity. And nose been running dried on the lip. And she's putting things back. You don't need a word of knowledge to know what's going on, do you? It doesn't mean you're supposed to fix everybody's situation, but God did send you to someone. You are the answer to someone's problem. You are. God put something in you that you are the answer to someone's problem. So we can go fix. We can, we can set the captive free. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Well, we're looking forward to Wednesday night. And uh, uh, for those of you who never saw Steve Sampson, you'll, you'll really enjoy that night. Uh, uh, you, you'll just enjoy Steve. He's, he's, a really, he's a really nice man. He's a really funny man, too. He just don't, he just, he rips one off, but he just, he just like, it takes a few seconds, then you thought, oh my gosh, that was funny. <laughs> and he just never cracks a smile. He just keeps on going on. But um, he just, he has a, a prophetical message. He has a really good message that just 
you know, it's life. Life. Last message he, I was in, he talked about he and his wife. He says, the Lord won't let me pray about anything until I prayed for three people. And just talked about being thankful a whole lot. And he'll preach for 20, 30 minutes, and then he'll start ministering to people. But it'll, that'll, it'll be a service that'll bless you and refresh you. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week. I hope to see you Wednesday night. Here, dismiss. Peace. I can hardly think as you call